Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Millsoff, features editor here and Broadway fan. So it was probably about a year and a half ago that I first heard that a musical based on the movie Tootsie was in the works. I actually learned it on this very podcast when composer David Yazbek, who was working on it, came on to talk about his show at the time that the band's visit, for which he would go on to win a Tony, was up. I wasn't sure what to make of it then. Uh, On the one hand, Yazbek is one of the most skilled composers on Broadway when it comes to reinterpreting comedic films for the stage. He has worked on The Full Monty, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, among other shows. On the other hand, we were talking about a show that is based on a 1982 film intrinsically tied to its central performance by Dustin Hoffman. And the premise uh, about a struggling actor named Michael Dorsey, who finally gets the starring role of a lifetime by dressing as and pretending to be a woman, felt like maybe it needed to catch up to the times a bit. Cut to this spring when Tootsie opened on Broadway. When I saw it, I realized this actually is kind of the perfect story for musical theater people. It is so much about the immense fright of auditions and the crazy ambition and devotion it takes to be an actor and ultimately the weird lines between theater and real life. And altogether, thanks to a great book by Robert Horn, an equally smart score by Yazbek, and the performances of its lead actors, including Santino Fontana as Dorothy and Michael, it feels like a really solid contemporary musical comedy, which is no easy feat, as my guests on the podcast today told me. I was happy to welcome David Yazbek back to the podcast, along with stars Lily Cooper and Andy Grotolution all of whom were nominated for Tonys this year for their respective roles in the production. Not long ago, there was a man, an angry guy, awkwardly aging, committed, but kind of self-destructive, winding his way through life till ambition and circumstance conspired to deliver an opportunity no one except a megalomaniacal actor with nothing to really lose would consider. So then, of course, this guy puts, oh yeah, this guy is you, in case you were wondering, puts on a dress and wig and heels and actually. I'm going to ask each of you to tell me who you are and who you play or do, what you do in Tootsie to yes, begin with. Yes, sure. Great. So who are you? Um, I'm Andy Grote-Lucian, and I play Jeff Slater in Tootsie. <coughs> Acceptable that was, answer. That was good. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm David Yazbek. I'm ostensibly the composer and lyricist of Tootsie, but in reality, I also pretty much wrote 80 to 90% of the book, and oh. when it came down to it, I kind of pretty much directed it as oh. well. And actually, yes. now I'm marketing, advertising, and doing a lot of the producing. And when it goes on tour, I'll probably play the lead. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Lily Cooper, and I play Julie Nichols in Tootsie. That's all I do. That's all you're That is not all you do. You do right. a lot of like rafting on lakes, still lakes, yes. and relaxing. I, just, I, I make people very jealous on Instagram. That's yep. what I do. Very much so. Wow. Well, uh, speaking of your alleged book writer, I, I have to start by telling you guys alleged. that <laughs> uh, at the Tonys this year, I sat in front of his mom. Oh, uh, Robert no. Roberts. Oh, lucky, yes. lucky. Yeah. She was <laughs> she, she's a sweetie. Oh, yeah. my God. It was like the first time I've experienced anything like that because all of a sudden this little old lady next to me starts screaming, that's my that's son. My son. <laughs> that's my son. That's so cute. That's so nice. And it's, you know what's especially nice? Since none of us won Tonys. Um, <laughs> It's really nice for you to bring that memory up for us. Well, at least you have one. That's true, um, but you know, not this, not this year. As Isn't I knew, it, as you said as on said, national anyway. television. Yeah. Isn't it an honor just to be nominated as you all were? No. Well, for some. no, not not when you've won it 
before, but for us. For us, non-winners, it is absolutely an honor. Yeah. Oh. Okay. It is. It is. I know it is. Being nominated was a win in itself. (laughs) Well well played, well played. I'm glad there's no visual (laughs) on this. (laughs) Um, But but actually, you guys are much younger than me, so of course it it is an honor. Because this was my fifth nomination. I just want to mention. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Now that we know all of that, we can go back to your latest Tony win. Did win a Grammy last year, though. (laughs) But you guys won. I won a Grammy like 12 years ago, so get over it. Yeah, you won a Grammy. I want to. Yeah. I want to win a Grammy for this. I've never been in contention for a Grammy, but we I, will be this yeah, year. Yeah, we'll be right? in contention. Will, yeah. we, will we be Grammy nominated? By which I, I mean, will I be Grammy nominated? I, I don't know. You know, the, I don't forget what the rules are. It was really weird. People won. People won Grammys who sang less than other people who weren't nominated on the band's visit. So I don't know what their rules are. I don't know how I've they do it. I've always been curious about that, too. There's always, like, three random people who are like, I won a Grammy yeah. afterwards. And yeah, I know, well, and all of a sudden they're like, I'm halfway towards an EGOT. And I'm yes. like, what? what? You did <laughs> one show. <laughs> how is that possible? Well, that, but that happened on the band's visit. There was, uh, uh, what's his, um, oh, I just saw him, Itai. Uh, Itai Benson, who has, you know, a, a nice, you know, supporting uh, role in the band's visit. And uh, he won a Grammy, <laughs> and then he and a f- several other people were on television doing uh, the, the 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 big song at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they won an Emmy. And they won right? an Emmy. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, and Etai will say. And they actually got awards. And Etai oh, in that in Adam Cantor has a. Emmy in that, but Adam Cantor sang the song, the whole song. Itai says, "I want an Emmy for basically going like this." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's very correctly humble about it. Yeah, wow. But I've never really. I, that's why awards are such just such bullshit. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I've I've gotten a lot of awards that make no sense why I got them, including my the Emmy award that I got. I was writing with ten other people. You know, it was like. Anyway, but it was, but it helped me. It actually that you monetize an Emmy. You don't monetize a Tony, really. You Winning a Tony, what do you mean by that? Emmy. Well, if you win an Academy Award, at least maybe it's for a year, maybe it's for three or five years. Your your quote literally goes up. Yeah, yeah. If you win a Tony, that's not what does it. What does it is you know a role that you were successful in or sure. whatever. Intriguing. And I was going to say, Lily, on top of everything else, were you a teen Grammy winner? Yes. And I, I mean, I don't have a Grammy. I don't have a physical Grammy, but I was a part of an album that won a Grammy. Oh. So I you have a cer- get I can one? get a certificate. <laughs> you have to buy it. But you know what's, you know what's – the, the rules change. So uh, the rules changed a few years ago, I think. And I looked into this because I was like, wait a minute. I want my Grammy. Where's my Grammy? Where's my Grammy? I was a teenager. My Grammy's dead. When Spring Awakening <laughs> won – Excuse me. Won, um <laughs> – a Grammy, and a few years ago they changed the rules that like if you sing on more than fifty percent of the album or something like that, you can actually get a physical Grammy. But that wasn't the case twelve, thirteen years ago. So, well, I've learned a lot about awards today. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we can talk about uh, the show you're all part of. Also, um, well, well, David, for your pertaining to your most recent Tony win. Um, you know, this is a very different show from the band's visit. It seems like the. Polar opposite in a lot of ways. There are some Jews in this show and some 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 Arab Americans. I think I think it's a similar show in many ways. No, it is. This is a, this is the the currency of the show is comedy. You know, I mean, it's it's got a very strong rooted story about you know people, uh, New York actors mostly in who and their stories. But um, you know that you're going for the laughs a lot of the time with Tootsie. 
And is that where sort of the like musical idiom comes from? Because I'm curious how you kind of when you start a show, how you kind of know what the general kind of like sound palette is going to be like. You know, with the band's visit, it's pretty clear. I I, I knew I was going to write a lot of Middle Eastern. I wasn't sure how much classical Arabic music I was going to write, but I knew I was going to write some. And then everything else got infused, you know, that way. Same with Women on the Verge of Mm -hmm. a Nervous Breakdown, a lot of Spanish kind of stuff. I wrote that on guitar. So like that kind of, you know, but with with a show like Tootsie or a show like Fulmati, which was my first show, you let the the situation, the character and the comedy suggest what the music's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like an Andy song in the first in the second act at the beginning of the second act. Um, there's this kind of lilt to it. I mean, it's I mean, I can't say the name. I can't say what the repeated chorus is because it has the word fuck in it. But, um, <laughs> uh, take a note that well, I now, said yes. that word. Um, uh, but I, I just had this image in my head of Andy and Santino sitting on a couch. And all of a sudden I heard that the theme to, to the odd couple. <laughs> that <laughs> rum, da, dum, da, dum, uh-huh. And that suggested it. And it just immediately, I also in my head kind of imagined Andy dancing around. <laughs> and that suggested that loping kind of thing also. Right. In fact, in the demo, I do say that little, I say, I don't say fan kick. I say ball, ball change. Ball change, yeah. And then Andy sort of took off on that and <laughs> added, you know, like 20 other little dance moves at the end of it. But so that, so yes, it's, it's the comedy and the characters tell you what the genre and, you know, the beats will be. And also there's a show within a show. So yes. I sort of tried to get into the skin of a, not me, of a different composer Mm-hmm. Um, and write songs that sounded like they were for that show, like a more conventionally tacky Broadway show, mm-hmm. which it's, it's unfortunate that a few people who've reviewed this, uh, this album without seeing the show have actually, you know, without liner notes or anything, sort of thought like, oh, y- Yazbek's really kind of like losing it because <laughs> some of the songs are supposed, to, s- yeah. supposed yeah. to be bad. Bad. Yeah, they're supposed to be catchy but bad. And I will not reference other songs like that right. from other shows. But, yeah. right. but that has to be so much fun to just pretend to be somebody else and, and pretend to be someone very bad at that. Um, it's, it was actually really hard because you because if it's too bad, you're, you're forcing an audience to sit through something not pleasant. So either it has to be very funny or and it has to be catchy. Like if it's not catchy, if there's not something about it that's an earworm and you know and good, it doesn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. So, well, I feel like a huge part of the overall like really positive reaction to the show has been that it's like a real musical comedy and just comedy done really well. And I hadn't thought very much about kind of how hard that is to do and how rare it is to see it really well done on Broadway. Was that kind of a surprise to you guys? Or what is so hard about doing musical comedy well? Well, one of the things that I remember that actually Robert Horn, a book writer, said um, was that they he was actually given the space to write a play inside of a musical Mm-hmm. Instead of like putting the two together, which I think mm-hmm. sometimes uh, it just doesn't allow for the space of those situations and the uh, the, the breadth of the strokes to happen. Um, so we just have we really do have the space to play. Um, 
I think that's one of the reasons why it sings so well. Well, I, the comedy, I mean. Well, and, but also, <laughs> you know, not the music. Oh, were you going to say something? Well, I, I was just going to say, like, I think that all of the characters sort of lend themselves to a com- to to the genre of comedy in in different ways. Like, we function in different ways, each individual character, and I think Robert and David worked pretty seamlessly in creating these um, characters that work so specifically for what they need to do in the show. And I think like like Julie, for example, sort of functions in a different way than the other comedic characters. And it's sort of necessary because there's this there's this like wave of of comedy in the show and of laughter. And in order to ride that wave, we need sort of different levels. Um, and I think all of the different characters sort of function in different ways in that way. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I I started as a comedy writer. I wrote for Letterman and continued to be a comedy writer a lot of the time. So when Robert and I got into a room together, um, for me, I don't see my role in any musical really as as being um, just writing the song, just writing music and lyrics. It's um, it, if you, you got to stand back and look at the entire piece always. But with this show and with comedy in general, if people are really laughing, even if a scene has gone on for eight pages or nine pages, I, I know a director who keeps saying, you know what? You don't want more than five pages of, of scene before you get to a song. That's ridiculous. If people are laughing and, it, and it's roiling and building and this cast knows how to handle rolling laughter and make it bigger – and Robert Horn certainly knows how to write for that. Mm-hmm. I'm standing back. I'm not. I'm not sticking a song in while people are, you know, you know, wetting their seats with laughter. I'm. I'm <laughs> totally. I'll wait. <laughs> you know, my turn. <laughs> you know. Um, so that's part of it too. It's and like, then it becomes incredibly satisfying because you didn't realize that, like, oh, we've watched ten minutes of a scene, and now this like beautiful song comes. It becomes like a perfect period at the end of a sentence. I think. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting because I like look at. The two people I'm sitting next to, Lily, whose character has a, a, you know, a certain role to play, literally in the show, but a comedic role as as well. What what is that role? And Andy, who has this, whose character has a comedic tone, and they're and they're different. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you have a character who is um, is has to not be as funny. When I say funny, get as many jokes as another character. Um, it's just interesting balancing it and making sure, you know, Lily's character has to have a certain gravitas mm-hmm. um, and a certain, it, just so you follow the story in a certain way. She gets laughs and stuff like that too, but it's not clown it, clowning laughs. Mm-hmm. Andy's character does manage to get a lot of sort of clowning laughs at the same time as in many ways being the wisest character in the show. You know the sort of Jiminy Cricket character, but also, like but also he's a character, and this is how Robert Horn described the character a couple of years ago to me. You know, he said, but also Jiminy Cricket, but also someone who's so um, incapable of using that wisdom on themselves. Yes. Yeah. and there's a comedy to that. Yeah. You know, but it also means that there's room for change inside of that Jiminy Cricket too. Which I think is one of the beautiful parts about my character is that I also have an arc. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is Tootsie about? Well, it's about this writer who it's lives with roommate. his roommate. Yeah. <laughs> <about this> roommate. <laughs> I like that. It's like the Romeo and Julietization of the uh, of the show. 
change yeah. the focus, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's about a writer and also an actor. But there's also but there's also something in this too in the in the characters' relationships to one another and the one and the two and the one and the two in the different scenes. There where we sort of pass around the straight man often. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. uh, because uh, Santino, who plays Michael slash Dorothy, like sort of once he goes into transformation, then he sort of can't. Well, I guess in some of those scenes, he is the kind of straight man in those yeah, scenes. Sometimes he's mm-hmm. Seinfeld and sometimes he's uh, Kramer. And yes. it's the same with you. And it's the same with everyone in, yeah. it, bouncing back and forth, except for maybe the completely neurotic actress played by Sarah, mm-hmm. who, you know, who is just <laughs> like this energy machine of neuroses. Not yes. Sarah, the, the, the character is. Yeah. She doesn't really get a chance to be the, the, the grounding. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Right. No. <laughs> she doesn't really get a little break. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I mean, this is clearly not just the movie translated to the stage. Like, it, it feels more modern. Um, you know, I don't feel like I'm watching a story from the 1980s. And I was curious, both from your perspective taking it on and you guys taking on this role, is like, what made you think this will really work as a musical right now? I'll answer first. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I did not think it would work as a musical or anything else. Like, I, I said no to this project several times. This was uh, a long time ago. Like, because I worked on it for two and a half, three years before Robert Hornet even came on. Oh, wow. um, two and a half to three years, that was proving me right, <laughs> incidentally. <laughs> and then Robert came on and kind of just, you know, just everything flipped because he's so f- great and so funny. Um, uh it turns out that what makes it work is completely, like any adaptation in a way, is just figuring out what you, what to jettison, like what you don't need and, and what characters you don't need and how to uh, combine a few characters, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just getting to the core of it, and this is something Robert and I talked about all the time, um, we both kept saying, remember, this is a story of someone who can't get what they want and should get, and they do something very radical, um, and then they get it all, and be careful what you wish for. And mm-hmm. then through that process, becomes a human being, becomes a mensch. Um, that's the thing that we just kept, you know, kept an eye on the whole mm-hmm. time. That's it. I mean, yeah, that's my answer. And the process of... Michael Dorsey becoming a mensch and, and becoming a human and learning about himself, I think, was also a, a big shift story-wise that we made from the movie um, because he doesn't just get away with it and he needs to sort of learn from his terrible choices. <laughs> and um, that's one of the most powerful things that I think the audience can walk away from after seeing the show is that he's a flawed human and learns from his mistakes. And I think Julie does a lot in teaching him about those things. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Yeah. And Julie, I mean, I, I feel like this... You, in particular, like this, you're bringing like a very fresh interpretation to her. And how did you kind of arrive at sort of making her this cool feminist who's also goofy, yeah, but also I, has these deeper moments? Right. It was inevitable. It was inevitable not to. I mean, I don't. I don't think I ever came into it thinking like, oh, I'm going to recreate like this Jessica Lang sort of ingenue type role because that's mm-hmm. just like not who I am. It's not how the role was written. Um, it was really important I think to to make her more of a powerful uh standalone character with 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 flaws and um Robert and I would talk about her you know on the phone for hours before rehearsal started just sort of getting an idea of what what she needed to be um so it was a it was a great collaboration and and she also feels very close to home to me she's an actress and a Broadway show, and um, I think I bring a lot of Lily into Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, we we did a lot of workshops before, you know, in the in the process, a lot of different Julies, and it and it never was working. And then when you auditioned, when Lily auditioned, it was like, oh, there's there's this. I want to use the word gravitas again. It doesn't. It's not quite the right word, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh, there's like this, there's this uh, weightiness to 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 Lily and the way she approaches humor and the way she approaches um, sort of the whole love story thing that just really felt like this is the this is the direction. So just by seeing Lily and then by casting Lily, that really helped Robert. Even before he started having conversations yeah. with you, and I remember sometimes passing by rehearsal studios, and you or you and Santino would be like locked in conversations with him. I don't like to talk to actors, so luckily I didn't have to be in. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so yeah, so just the fact that you were playing the role yeah. really helped color the way I I saw the character and the way Robert saw the character as not just love interest. Not yeah, just, yeah, it was really a. Uh, Interesting process. Because <laughs> there's this strength to her, but there's this vulnerability to her, too, which I think is what's so appealing about her. And we have to believe that Michael falls in love with her. If we don't believe that or care about it, then, like, what's the point? And in the movie, the she's just, that character is just, like, kind of, they just kept adding victim-y stuff Absolutely. to make her, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, more um, sympathetic or whatever it was. They, they just kept adding that stuff. It was kind of like a weird way of, yeah. you know... Yeah, we're dealing with it. Yeah, and I feel like that ultimately makes someone more like a plot device and less like an actual person. Absolutely. Totally. Yep. Y- you seem like a real person. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to your right. credit. Um, well, this is the part of the podcast where we say nice things about David, maybe. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> Are you going to give us nice things to say about David? <laughs> yeah, we better. I see your notebook over there. I hope it has a <laughs> Lots of nice things. Um, well, I mean, I, I feel like from, from what I understand, like David is the kind of composer that 
that a lot of people aspire to work with. Um, and, you know, the two of you have had really different paths to being in this big Broadway show and getting your Tony nominations. And Lily, you've been doing musicals since you were a teenager. And Andy, I gather this is more of a and this is the second time. This is the second time. This is yeah. the second time. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I, I'm curious, you know, as actors and singers, like, what is it about his music that's really fun to sing and perform? I can say I I heard the the song there was John, the song that um, Julie sings in Act One about a relationship and her love of theater and everything, and I and I heard it when I auditioned for it, and it was so sort of like unique and weirdly challenging. Um, there are all of these like crazy leaps and uh, it it sort of attacks this different part in my voice that I haven't really been able to use in other shows that I've been in and it for some reason just fit so perfectly I've people I've had friends come to the show and are like did he write that song for you because mm. that's what it feels it physically feels like singing it feels like it just works somehow so I don't know I just sort of like was lucky enough to come into something that had already been created but somehow I like was a I think a puzzle piece that fit into this empty puzzle. Um, and it felt so just right for me. Like I, I tell David all the time, like I just physically enjoy singing his music because it just works really oh. well for some no, reason. No, you've never told me that. I have definitely you. told you that. I don't remember <laughs> it. Whatever. Um, Maybe you had a scowling face when you said it. Probably. <laughs> um, that, you know, that song, which which was teetering on the verge of being cut yeah. and like chained. You know, like I, I wrote a lot of songs for, for Julie, some before you were mm-hmm. in it, you know, that, that are in my trunk now. Mm-hmm. Um, that, Cause it's a, that was a tough character as we were building the character, but also a song like that. Um, the first time I heard you sing that song, I thought, oh, that's, I mean, I've told you that I love the way you sing. Mm-hmm. I love the way you sing, but I love the way you sing that song. It made me, it, it made me feel like the song could work. Um, but that song's interesting because you were already cast when I was writing that song. So mm. obviously I had your voice in my head. Mm. And I have a, a friend of mine who starred in one of my other shows, um, had kind of a peripatetic, as many actors do, life. So I uh, had a really long conversation with her. And a lot of what she told me, if not in exact words, just in tone, sort of in, imbued Itself, and I'm sure you have a lot of com- in common with her too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that song came out of, uh, yeah, cut sort of this ex- my my friendship with an, with another actor, and then Lily embodied it, and then we all worked on it a lot to just get it to a place where it worked in, worked in our show. Yeah. So. And I'm really glad that it stayed. There was I a moment where it, got, where it was like almost getting cut, and I was like, shit, well, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> oh, God, no, no. You wouldn't have gotten fired, but you would have been really pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I will talk about my praises for David Yazbek. Um, so this is my second, this is my second musical uh, professionally. Um, and when I first, What was your first musical? Into the Woods. Oh, I've heard of it. Yes, Stephen Sondheim. Yes, yes, get excited. Um, young, uh, young guy. Uh, <laughs> um, 
so yeah, so I'm sort of new to the waters this way. Um, and when I first got into this, all I had to sing in the show was uh, a little baby's reprise, uh, which I was totally fine with. Like in Act Two, we'd already heard the song in Act One, so I was just sort of like bringing it back um, <laughs> to, to give oh, a lesson. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's what it that. was. I didn't have the I didn't yeah, yeah, have yeah. the song. And oh, then wow. I remember we were in early in. Uh, uh, in workshops um, and uh, stage management said check the Dropbox <laughs> and I was like uh, okay what and I went in there and there was a song for me and I was just like oh shit because <laughs> 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 uh, I was totally fine to make my Broadway uh, musical debut with just a lot of jokes and a little bit of singing <laughs> and then all of a sudden we had this big uh, number to open up act two mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I was very, very nervous, you know, um, learning it and getting plunked out in front of, uh, you know, an ensemble that is v- vastly talented. Um, and uh, uh, but I, you know, I, I got it. And then I have to say, like, standing on the stage above the orchestra while it's happening and feeling the, <laughs> feeling the horns and it's got it's got some really like swinging yeah. horns yes <laughs> yes and like I have a dance break yeah. in, in, which, in which I actually just sort of get to enjoy the music that's coming up from underneath me yeah. um yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's so fucking thrilling. And um, we're still 100 plus shows into our run, <laughs> and the songs are still awesome. Ah, thank you. That's the to ultimate compliment. To. That's it the is, ultimate compliment. True. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, it is, and it's, uh, Andy, it, you, you're a hard act to follow. I come on <laughs> right after you, and I gotta be on. There's some moments where I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> Make it easier for me. <laughs> That's what everyone on Broadway says now. You know? Yeah. <laughs> He's just known that way. Um, the, na- the name of the song, incidentally, is Jeff Sums It Up. Spotify, you can Spotify it. Thank you. <laughs> so since this is a show about uh, the insane things that one actor does in the service of getting a part, I have to ask you all, what is the craziest thing you have ever done? To get a part, get a or part. to or to get a project that you wanted. My go-to is is something that I don't think is that crazy, which is I uh, had an audition once where <laughs> I went to not once. This happens all the time. I went to Zara and I bought an outfit and I went to the audition and then I immediately returned the outfit for that audition. <laughs> and I ended up actually booking this job, which was awesome. Um, Did you go back to Zara and get the outfit again? No, no. I was like, one time only. But I sort of feel like, part of me is like, I feel like every audition we just do crazy shit for things. Like, I will be, my 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 boyfriend is always like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm working on this audition. He's like, but you won't, you might not even get that audition. And I'm like, I know, but I'm working on it. And it's really hard and it takes so much fucking time and effort and like you know sitting on the subway like reading your sides and looking like a crazy person you just have to like risk looking like a crazy person all the time but that's, that's what su- i feel like we that's do that's such a big part of your of your life you have to embrace it i yeah. mean you got no choice right exactly I, mean, I just had a friend tell me a story about um, a voiceover audition that she had uh, to play a lamb and the <laughs> wow and the, and the breakdown was 80% pure lamb no vibrato what? <laughs> 20% anthropomorphic intention. And it's the, the lamb was not a cartoon character or speaking words. It was just meh. No. Yeah, and wow. she had to she had to do it like five times like in her closet. Did she at book home. it? I don't think she booked it. Loser. <laughs> too much too much uh, intention. Yeah, she overthought it. 
I had an audition where I had to have an accent a few days ago, and I just had my English friend record the entire set of sides for me, and I just like basically sent them that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Do you know? I always feel like warm fuzzies for people when I see them reading <coughs> lines on the subway. I don't. Oh, like, thank you. Good God. Bad for them. Yes, and I feel like a crazy person. Yeah, Yeah. and I also feel like an asshole. Like, I feel like I'm, like, showing off. Like, (laughs) look at my sides. (laughs) Not as much as the guy with the guitar in his back. True. Yes. Mr. Mr. Cool with the soft case. Or or with with the tattered paperback in his back pocket. It's it's really not that bad. Um, Well, I mean, the the show within a show is is such a fun part of the actual show. And... uh, I sort of wondered if you guys have had experiences where you've been in a production and it's kind of gone in a totally different direction from what you initially expected, the way that this Romeo and Juliet does becoming more about the nurse, really. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's a good question. I did a production of, when I was in Spring Awakening, I was in high school, Mm. and in order to graduate with a quote-unquote drama diploma, I had to do a play in my high school. And so I had to take a vacation from my Broadway show to do a play in my high school. Well. And that play was Dracula. And my drama teacher basically wrote this play and compiled it from the film and various novels. And so that was one of those experiences where I was like, all right, well, I have to do this. We're going to like make the best of it. I played Van Helsing. Amazing. And that's the part you want. Though. That's the part you want. Yeah. And I got to, you know, murder Dracula every night. And I remember just thinking, like, wow, I'm literally in a Broadway show right now. And I'm, like, you know, fake staking my friend in the heart on this, this is an rinky adult dink little stage. <laughs> <laughs> That was, I, I don't know, that was back in the day, but that was one of the worst. <laughs> but did you make it all about Van Helsing? Oh, yeah. She was, <laughs> she was fierce. I certainly hope so. What about you guys? Um, I, I sort of think that in a sort of high school fashion, we were doing a choral reading or reader's theater project for the state uh, speech festival. And um, it was about, I think it was like, 12 boys and one girl who was playing a violin. We were all wearing like mime makeup with tears on our faces, <laughs> wearing various kinds of fabric ponchos. Um, at one point, singing, Kiss the Rain, Kiss the Rain, Kiss the Rain. And there was some Enya that was sung. And I, 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 I don't know, I, I don't really remember what, what, what the piece was about, but I. I also remember that I think that it played very powerfully, but when I look back on it, I, I forgot to mention the white tights oh. that we were all wearing as well. Wow. Um, uh, and that, that one's that you just sort of go, well, what? Sometimes we just... What are we doing? We just do. We just do things. It goes in the direction. It yeah. goes, what is a state speech festival, by the way? Oh, yeah. Iowa High School uh, Speech Association. It's like speech and debate, and okay. speech is sort of the, um, you know, uh, uh, the more arty... Oration. Part of it. Oration. Oration, yes. Adult, adult podcast. Yes, yes. Reader's <laughs> theater. Uh, duo interp. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. Mm. Yeah. I, wow. And unfortunate mime also. <laughs> <laughs> All state. Yeah. Well, I feel like, I, I mean, a while ago when you came on the podcast to talk about the band's visit, David, you were kind of 
in the very early stages of Tootsie. So I feel like now that Tootsie is on and going well, I have to ask, like, what else is going on with you? What else is coming next for you? Yeah. Um, well, there's a tour for the band's visit that started uh, in D.C. a few weeks ago. Uh, and it's just it's just very exciting for me. I was down there. David Cromer um, has made it sort of the perfect version of the band's visit for a tour. Hmm. Um, that's, I, I mentioned that just because I was so impressed. It's not easy to do that. These are larger theaters, um, and it's a completely new company, and uh, it's, it's, it's just working beautifully, and uh, Shalina Kennedy is, is playing the lead. And um, so I was sort of helping with that a little bit just by just listening for technical stuff. Um, I'm working on The Princess Bride. Uh, that's a big title that a lot of people, <laughs> you know. Is that have, the usual reaction you get? Just like, ah, mouth noises. <laughs> a lot of people get very excited, and then there's the inevitable thing, which is like, oh, Christ. Oh, Christ, <laughs> man. I'm going to ruin it. You know? But I actually think it's going to be great. I, I think we're doing a very, very nice job and sort of um, – we're, we're uh, you know, deeply empathizing with William Goldman's uh, tone in the book and in the movie. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, then I've got other stuff that's writing a few other shows. And um, I think I'll make an, an album in the next 12 months at some point. I have a lot of songs that want to be recorded. Um, I might do it in sort of an Arabic flavor going off the band's visit, you mm. know, with some of those musicians, some of my friends who play that stuff. That sounds like fun. And uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. Cool. Well, thanks for coming, you guys, and congrats on how well the show is going. Thank you. Thanks so thanks much. Thanks for having yeah. us. Suddenly everything made some sense. Then I saw this guy in the audience. And there was John Fitzroy on the aisle with a big smile on. Tootsie is playing right now at the Marquee Theater in New York. If you're a fan of Billboard on Broadway, please subscribe and leave some stars or a nice review on iTunes. You can also find the podcast on Spotify, on Google Play, and on Stitcher, among other platforms. If you'd like to find me on social media, I'm at Rebecca Millsoff on Twitter at Ya Down with RMM on Instagram, and you can always use hashtag Billboard on Broadway to talk all about the podcast on the internet. I'm going to be on vacation for a few weeks, so it may be a little bit before you hear another episode, but I'll be back and hope to have you back soon. Blah, 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 blah.